Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Train a Happy podcast. My name is Tally Rye and this week I am joined by a good friend Sasha Polari who you may know as the woman behind the filter drop campaign on Instagram she worked so hard for the last year to try and get the um, guidelines changed around filters so that people stopped using filters to promote beauty content and she also is just really encouraging us all to embrace who we are embrace ourselves without these editing and distortion and oh I just and a lot of it is influenced by Sasha's own journey so I'm really excited for you to hear our conversation today it was just so lovely to finally have Sasha on the podcast it's quite overdue I have to say so before we get into today's episode it is time for train happy trooper of the week Okay, so we are mixing up how we're going to do Train Happy Trooper of the Week. So, of course, I'm still going to be reading out your Train Happy Moments here on the podcast. But you can also get to know each Train Happy Trooper over on Instagram. Um, Each week we're asking each Train Happy Trooper to answer just a few questions about themselves, share a picture of themselves and just... I think it's a great way for us to get to know each other, get to know our community, get to know this wonderful community of Train Happy Troopers and listeners. So this week's Train Happy Trooper comes from Sarah, who you may know online as at plus size paddler. And I can't recommend following Sarah enough, especially if you're into paddleboarding. Um, she's doing so much great work in, in terms of trying to make paddleboarding more size inclusive in terms of the clothing and just generally you know add representation to the sport so it's so cool to hear from Sarah and her most recent train happy moment is she says I went for a run or walk run slash walk for the first time in months no pressure great music and just listening to my body Previously, I would have expected to go back to where I was before, but not this time. And you know what? I love that, Sarah, because I think we have so much pressure on ourselves to always be at the same physical standards and levels. And that, you know, for example, recently, I just took six months off teaching my um, rhythm classes, which are like spin classes. Um... And that's the longest gap I'd had between teaching. And my goodness, I I knew my fitness was going to go down. And so I just had to be so kind and patient with myself to say like, it's okay, don't expect to be where you are. We can slowly build things back up again. But it's very human to not always be on an upward trajectory with our fitness levels. And they ebb and flow. And, you know, at some stages in our life, we're fitter than others. Priorities change. Things happen. You know, injuries may happen. Whatever may happen. And I think, 
you just have to be so kind and patient with yourself just as Sarah has been so so thank you yeah so much to Sarah for sending that train happy moment in and once again you can read more about Sarah and find out more about her um, over on our Instagram at train happy podcast and if you would like to be featured as train happy trooper of the week please get in touch with us via email train happy podcast at gmail.com or you can get in touch with us on our Instagram at train happy podcast and just say hey Tally I want to be train happy trooper of the week and I'd love to share my story with you and my most recent train happy moment and we'd love to hear from you okay enough of me chatting it is time to hear from this week's guest Sasha Polari I think you're just gonna love her Sasha, welcome to the Train Happy podcast. It is so good to have you joining me um, virtually, but it's so good to have you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I'm so pleased. This has been, this is overdue to be honest, because... I mean, I have been waiting to be asked. (laughs) (laughs) Your time has come, your time has come. Um, Yeah, so how are you doing right now? How is I'm that? good, thank you. Really good, thanks. It's um been a crazy time, but I feel like less overwhelmed now. I feel a bit more in control of what's going on, you know? Yeah, so we've known each other for, like, context. We've known each other for a few years now, like, probably, like, three years, four years. Yeah, three, three or four, I think. Yeah. yeah. And we have a mutual friend, Emily, who I went to drama school with, you went to drama school with. We actually went to the same drama school, but at different times. So we <laughs> and then we met. met. I know, it's so crazy. I actually remember, I was thinking today um, how we met. We, you, because you were my first like industry friend in this mad world. And I remember we met at King's Cross for lunch and I was so excited. I was like, I've looked up to this girl for so long. Like she teaches me so much. I'm going for lunch with her. And I feel <laughs> and like, I was, like we just, years ago. well, I knew that because we have mutual friends, I just knew that we had hit it off anyway, because I mean, you're a theater girl at heart. I mean, what's not to <laughs> we're like, I on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose you said things have been getting a bit crazy for you and you didn't end up pursuing theatre you ended up pursuing makeup and I suppose you launched your filter drop campaign like a year ago like just over a year ago now is that right like officially but I know this has been something like you've been passionate about for even long before that so let's rewind a bit and talk about how you got into the world of makeup from drama school So I didn't last very long at drama school. I left before, I actually left just before the year was like complete. So I didn't even last there a whole year. And it was like my world had been tipped upside down because as you know, when you want to do performing arts, it usually is something that's like tunnel vision. That's all you want to do. Nothing else will ever match it. And that is how I grew up my whole life through GCSE. All I cared about was going to drama school. When I was doing my performing arts college, all I cared about was going to drama school. It was like always all I'd thought of. So when I left um, for, you know, various reasons, I was like, what on earth am I going to do? And makeup was always something that I was just naturally good at, but it was just a hobby. Like I used to do the girls' makeup in like our house that we lived in and stuff. And for nights out, I would do the girls. And yeah, I actually remember um, Louise, who was, was she your head of of year as well? 
Yeah. There was this one class where she said, can everyone make their makeup a bit more like Sasha? And it just like summarizes that that was my biggest compliment at drama school, <laughs> as opposed to like my talent. I mean, and, side um... note, I got told off for not wearing enough makeup or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, I, we had all those conversations too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I left, I was like, what am I going to do? I did various jobs and then decided to kind of pursue makeup. And I did like an intensive three-day course with a makeup artist that was the head of NYX Cosmetics at the time before they got bought out by L'Oreal. And that was my birthday present for my 21st birthday from my mum. And after that, I decided to apply to work at MAC in Bristol. And I failed the online application and then got blocked from applying for six months because I kept failing that part. And then the next stage would have been a phone interview, but I never got that far. So I took my CV into the counter and just kind of said, oh, you know, I'm a trained makeup artist. I would love to work here and have the experience. Mac's been like one of my favorite brands forever. And then I got invited to an interview and the interview was three hours long. It was like intense. Back then, Mac was still very much like in its prime because we're talking now like eight, nearly eight years ago. Yeah. And it was like a dream come true. And then I just gradually found what it was that I was meant to be doing. And in a way, when you work in sales, in retail, in that kind of sense, you are still performing in a way because you've always got to be upbeat. And I don't know, everything just kind of started to fall into place. And I feel like as the years have gone by, even now, like seven, eight years later, everything has come together. And my performing arts background has literally set me up for life and continues to do so. Um, but my love for makeup and making people feel incredible via using makeup is something that I just latched onto really, really quickly. Um, yeah, and here I am. And I love that you, because I, I know you've known me for longer than Filter Drop. So you know that it wasn't like I woke up one day and decided to talk about filters. You know that actually that's exactly how I felt about beauty being seen for, ever since I started going online. So, um, yeah, and here we are today. <laughs> I mean, like you said, I feel like the stars are aligning for you in so many ways. And I think, as you said, a drama school background just enables you to have confidence in even like having these conversations mm -hmm. in being able to speak to people, speak to strangers. I have to say like that is a, it's a massive skill set in and of yeah. itself, but you have really kind of found your niche and found what you're really passionate about. And I should also add that I do believe that like makeup is a, is a form of creativity and you are clearly a creative. And I think it's like so cool to see that creative talent being channeled in so many different ways. Like it could, could have gone anyways, but now you get to do, even more stuff with um, creating content online as well. So it's just really cool to see you grow, like as a friend, see you just, yeah, just develop into what you're meant to be doing. So let's Thank talk you. about Filter Drop because this was a campaign that, like I said, I like I know this has kind of like pissed you off for a while. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> That's kind of puts it mildly, doesn't it? But um, essentially, am I right in saying the campaign is to stop um specifically I think in beauty is like beauty brands using filters to market makeup and therefore influencers not being able to use filters to market ads but also just in general having way more transparency about filters online and on social media um I know yeah. I'm kind of scratching the surface there so feel free to go off 
<laughs> um, yeah, no, essentially that is what it was. It was, it started off with me wanting to just create more awareness because the filter drop thing for me and the filter acknowledgement for me was just a gradual extension in my own journey. And, you know, I started off with a, right, I'm never going to go on a diet ever again. I need to just accept my body for what it is. I need to find a love for exercise in a different way than punishment. That was step one. Step two was I'm going to stop thinking about having all of this surgery done because I don't look good enough. That was like step two. So it was just a gradual thing. And when I got to the stage in my own personal journey where I was finding myself dependent on how good I looked with these filters on, because let's be honest, that's why they're designed. We all look great with a filter on. When I got to that stage in my own journey, I just decided to speak about it one day. And I think this is why the campaign did so well. It was obviously when we were at the start of lockdown, what did we do? Like we were just on our phones constantly. There was nothing else to do. And that's where my Instagram started to grow perhaps like a little bit more like at a speed or a noticeable speed because before that it was never an intention for me to grow a huge following or anything like that and I remember just being in front of my camera a lot more and going for the filters so then I thought to myself I'm not going to use these face changing ones anymore I'm just going to keep the little vintage grainy ones or whatever or the tan ones um and then again, gradually, I decided that they were also still doing something to my face that made me prefer how I looked with that on as opposed to without it. And I literally voiced it one day on a story. And that is how it kind of erupted. There is also the sort of, um, what's the word? The avenue of the filter shop campaign as well is also that I did think it was absolutely not okay that influencers online were allowed to just crack on with filters whilst promoting cosmetics and I think that again came from such a genuine place for me because every time that I'd ever previously filmed something with makeup on it would always be about trying to get it you know let's see your skin texture let's see it in the most true form so for people who didn't know who I was before filter drop, they literally must think that I woke up one day and decided to speak about filters. But actually, it was just such a natural progression for me. And that I truly believe is why the campaign did so well. Um, because take me away from it. When you really believe in something and like you can't do, you can't not do well when you really believe in something, you know. And this for me is not just something online. This is my everyday. Ask my closest friends before even trying to do like anything with social media it was conversations we were having it was things that I was challenging within myself it was it was an active thing that I was doing in my life trying to move away from all of these societal pressures so the campaign kind of grew from me putting it out to my audience at the time which was three just over 3,000 followers and I just said, if you feel brave enough, I would love for you to upload a photo filter free with the hashtag filter job. And it just grew and grew and grew and the message spread further and further and further. And then the when I when I kind of realized how big an issue this was, I then started to tag press and journalists within my stories, but like I'd hide it because I was like, how else am I going to get it? And you know what it's like online. If you don't know the right people and if you don't have big following, it's very, very difficult to be heard. And eventually BBC Southwest Instagram page messaged me back and said, oh, we'd love to have a chat with you. 
And I had a call with a journalist who she's absolutely amazing. And still to this day, I thank her so much for everything that happened with it because she is a mum of two daughters. And I truly think that the reason why everything was so great from that initial BBC article was because she was a mum of two daughters. So it was meant to start off as a regional piece, which was just going to be a small piece about, you know, this girl from the Southwest that started a campaign. But as time went on and this, this article took five weeks to write and I told nobody that it was being done because I didn't, you know what it's like with stuff like this until I saw it in front of my eyes. I didn't even want to believe that it was happening. And in those five weeks, I think the momentum of the campaign on social or my Instagram was growing and she could obviously see that and her boss could see that. So then they decided to make it an actual piece. So to just put out onto the, the general BBC. And then the day that Instagram, uh, the day that BBC article went live, um, that article went viral and that's how it kind of then elevated the whole campaign. And, um, that's when my life just went mental. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, like, I cannot explain to you how crazy it was. And I didn't have any management at the time. It was literally, this journalist helped me so much. She gave me loads of tips for press because my phone just, it literally blew up. It started ringing constantly. It was radios and, um, and you know what the BBC is like, like you throw something into the BBC and then they just churn and erupt and it just gets like, it's like those piranha fish. Yeah, <laughs> like they yeah. flock in and they just like bite, um, which is obviously incredible because, you know, it made, it made everything where it is today. And aside from all of that press and aside of, you know, put all of that aside, the messages that I got from people throughout this campaign was just like I'll never ever forget it all of those messages saying I cannot believe I couldn't even take a photo of myself without a filter I couldn't look at myself in the mirror without you know because I've become so dependent on filters so hearing all of those stories will always be the absolute you know highlight for me throughout this because I know that I have changed so many people's opinions on how they should view themselves and how damaging filters are for that so yeah, I feel like I've just spoken for about four hours. <laughs> no, it's so interesting to hear like how the actual kind of campaign like grew that momentum and got that exposure. I'd be really keen to know what was it that you wanted to get across in that article? What were like the key points of filter drop that that you're kind of fighting against? Like what was it that you wanted to actually change? Like, to happen, yeah. yeah. So the three, there was three outcomes uh, when the article was written. The first outcome was that I wanted there to be more rule, like I wanted there to be a rule for influencers to not have to, to not be able to use filters whilst promoting cosmetics. The second thing was that I just wanted to spread awareness so that so many people could find that confidence without using filters. And the third outcome was that Instagram removed the face morphing ones. So obviously Number one was the uh, number one was obviously the spreading awareness, which was happening anyway from even before we got press. Number two was changing the ASA ruling, which happened in February, which is just still like mind blowing to me that, that it happened. And number three will never happen because there's too much money involved, and it's just like it's never ever going to happen. But I. I'm not going to like sit here and take credit because this campaign would be nothing without the people that supported me right from the start. But I see maybe 95% more real skin online than I did this time a year ago. So, you know, 
I, I literally couldn't wish for anything more now. It's just been amazing. And it's got to the stage for me now where everybody knows that if you're going to put a post on Instagram and talk about filters, it's going to get likes, it's going to get engagement, all of those things that so many people care about. But for me, it's just now about continuing teaching people how to use makeup in a way that makes them feel confident, making them feel exactly the same without it, which is all I have ever been trying to do um, since I entered this, this beauty industry. So yeah, I mean, it's been phenomenal and it, and I guess it is like my, you know, my thing that I've done and I achieved it, but you know, the genuine message for me wanting to make people feel better and more comfortable in their own skin. Well, it's, there's no end kind of goal for that. I definitely think letting go of filters is so important when you're trying to accept yourself. And I would, yeah, I wonder like in terms of your own personal journey, because I love that this was like very much a personal progression thing for you. And then you're like, hang on a second. I want the rest of the world to hear this, which is how I feel about exercise. (laughs) You know, like, hang on a second. I've had this personal revelation and I think a lot of other people need to hear this. Um, Yeah. What, what has the growth been like for you? And, you know, I know that like, when I follow you online, I'm seeing your skin, I'm seeing your spots, I'm seeing the texture, I'm seeing everything. And you're kind of just like showing up as you are. And yeah, you do some like amazing glam makeup. But I don't know, it's like, it's not that super, it doesn't feel unattainable. Like it, like it does when I look at other people's whose content I know they probably have face tuned and edited and filtered and whatever else before yeah. you see the image. I know that the image you've taken is the image that was like on your camera roll. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. not being distorted massively. It's it's um really representative of you and your skill yeah. as a an artist. I did used to do all of that though. Like I did used to face tune my photos and you know, if we met three, four years ago, then hundred percent, I, if I was to post a photo of myself from the neck down, I would have face tuned it. You know, it wasn't, yeah. Like it's, I think it, I think it's only been maybe two and a half to three years where I have stopped editing my photos completely and really kind of done that work on, on how I view my body, um, which for me is my, has always been my, um, my thing, you know, like everyone has, some people have a thing about their nose or have a, mine has always been about my body. So I, I feel like showing up as myself online is just, that, that it, it just is who I am. Like me sitting here right now with no makeup on, okay, I've, I've got, I've done my brows and I've got mascara on. I could have perhaps thought to myself, right, Tally's going to be filming this. That's going to then go on Instagram, make sure I look great. But is that going to change what I have to say? No. And have I done so much work on, have I done so much work on being able to sit here with no makeup on and still being able to focus on what I have to say over how I look? Yeah. So why would I, do you know what I mean? Like everything that I put out online is in my everyday life as well. Um, And I think maybe that's why I find it a little bit frustrating when trends kind of get churned out and now filters are a trend thing to talk about. And I'm just like rolling my eyes every day because I'm thinking, I don't even want to go into that, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think, yeah, it is interesting, like how you've shifted that whole thing. And I wonder if like this campaign itself has like given you that purpose and confidence in yourself to go like, hang on a second. I know I've got these insecurities about my body. 
I know I felt maybe insecure even about my skin or whatever else because I've been trying to live up to these unrealistic standards of beauty, especially that we see on social media. Do you feel that now you've really found this kind of purpose and, and passion to really kind of change things in the beauty industry that that has given you a sense of like, well, who I am and what I'm doing is actually far more important than the size of my body, the shape of my body. And I'm, I want to focus on those things. And has that been a real part of the progression? Because when I talk about body image, I always said to people like, it's not about thinking you're beautiful. It's about knowing that your beauty doesn't define you. You're more than your body. And actually what you have to offer the world should be the thing we focus on. And I feel like that's exactly what you've done. Yeah. And for me, where the personal growth has come was a real kind of like talking to myself because growing up, I was never, ever slim. I've never been slim. The only time I've been a slim person was when I was severely restricting what I ate, exercising seven times a day and was the most miserable I've ever been in my life. And take that away. I've always been chubby. I've always been the bigger girl. We needed extra dance um, fabric for the dance costumes. I, that was always me. So growing up, my safety net was my humor, my personality, and oh, she's got a pretty face. So when it came to me asking all of these people to be brave and showing up without a filter, I was thinking to myself, hang on a minute, but what if their face is what my body is to me? So how can I still continue to treat my body the way that I was? And, you know, I'd already done some, you know, quite a lot of work, but it really made me have that realization because whilst I'm confident in my personality and my face, because that's always been my crux growing up, this, for some other people, it's not. So for them to remove a filter and see their natural face mm -hmm. when it is their thing, that's really brave of them to do that. So I'm going to do the same with my body. And I know that you'll notice, you know, when I do my little fashion hauls, like, you know, I would, <laughs> I would never have dreamed of showing my body in that normal light. Um, it was always right. If I'm, if, right, if I'm going to show my body and I'm not going to face tune it, then I at least need to pose and look great and make the illusion of looking slimmer. Whereas now, you know, I'm just showing up online and my ass is hanging out of this dress is too tight. That doesn't fit me. And I've done I've done what I'm asking everyone else to do for, for me, you know what I mean? And I just felt like everyone has helped me grow because they've chosen to help themselves grow as well. So yeah, the growth for me personally, even in the last year, has just been elevated so much from the campaign for those reasons. Have you heard the phrase, this is one of my favorite phrases. Well, firstly, there's the phrase, um, and if anyone ever gets like a hater on their life, whether it's a troll online or a bully, a friend who's a bully, or what they're not a friend, they're a bully. You know what I mean? <laughs> the phrase happy people hurt people. Um, and then I saw this guy say on TikTok, it was like, Well, he's like, Well, I think healed people help heal people. And I feel like that's what you're doing. You have done such hard inner work, and I'm sure it's still an ongoing process. Yeah, forever. <laughs> like it is for so yeah, it is forever. And I, I love that you've said that because sometimes I think people think like, right. I'm done you know I spent a year doing this and now I'm done I'm done yeah it's like sometimes it's unrealistic to think you're not going to have your wobbles you're not going to have your mo you're going to have your moments you're going to have mm -hmm. these stumbling blocks things are going to happen but I do feel like do you feel that because you've been on this healing journey which is what it is really isn't it 
that you've been able yeah. to share that kind of share the healing and help other yeah. people on their own path yeah and I feel like if I'm asking them to challenge themselves who on earth would I think I am if I didn't think that I had anything to challenge within myself as well and that is still an ongoing thing and that's why I said forever because you know to some people I may be the most confident person in the world but I'm looking at other people thinking I want to be that confident and that's where I'm going I I'm not going to wake up one day and just be that confident unless unless I work at it and that's what I want to do I want to be in a position where you know and I do struggle so much with I know we joke about it and I I do make it like a funny thing, but I struggle so much with fashion because I've always had to hide my body. So now that I've accepted my body, I have no clue about fashion and how to dress this body. Now I've accepted it. Mm. So everything that I always joke about, there is all, it always comes back to like, and it's only in this last year that I've really realized how much my childhood and who I was as a child growing up um, has made me, I can't explain it. So you like, you know what I said about the humor thing? It was like a protection for me. And now I'm kind of like unraveling that and I'm realizing how damaged I must have felt as a child to think that, shit, if I'm funny, then no one can make a joke because I'm already going to make that joke out of myself. Yes, 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 yes. And that was me. And I guess to a certain extent, Bash is that too. That self-deprecating humor like... I'm going to say it first because then you won't be able to say it. Yeah. And, like, and it's like, it's not as bad as that because Fash Sash really is so funny. Like it is hilarious. But it, like, I just don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing when I wear stuff. So, you know, to document that is great. But there is still an underlying issue there that I've spent all of these years hating being in a bigger body. And don't get me wrong, I'm still fully aware of how privileged I am to have the body that I do. But... I'm still kind of faced with like confusion around it. Um, But that's why I choose to be online because I want to document that because then that shows how vulnerable I am, that I'm still continuing to grow and I'm choosing to challenge myself constantly because that's what I'm asking other people to do. So, yeah. What I do love about social media is like, similarly, all the, you know, we're like, how old are you? I'm 30. You're. I'm nearly 30. You're nearly 30. I was like, I feel like we're (laughs) very close in age. Um, and everything we grew up with was like, it, every, every website, everything we saw about fashion was always based on this one size. So it's like, you can look at clothes, but you didn't know if they would look good on your body shape. And what I do love now about social media is I'm really enjoying finding people who are a similar dress size to me, a similar body shape to me and going, oh, that's how they dress their body shape. Oh, okay. I should try that. So, like that shape works or those trousers seem to you know fit like a certain body type whatever so especially leg length for me it's huge um and that has been so great and I do think that there's a generation now who are exposed to people who can probably find someone sharing fashion content sharing that kind of stuff at all different sizes along yeah. the size spectrum and you yeah. can find someone you relate to and who like resonates with you and who has a similar body type to you I think that's really cool yeah and Um, I think even that's helped me realize how privileged I am because you know the plus size community didn't have a choice they can't they can't choose to try and be slim yeah then firstly you can't get to a high street shop in the UK and there's barely any selection and then yeah then 
your options are limited because you don't even have the physical shops it's all online yeah and yeah like and yet there are some plus size babes who are killing it the fashion. most amazing fashion we had Callie yeah. Thorpe on and I always love like Callie's style and just generally everything I love oh my god does. literally so I went to wilderness with Callie and um a load of other absolute legends and Callie was like you're wearing this dress tonight you're wearing this because they all know like how I feel about fashion and obviously Billy is like a fashion writer for stylist so yeah and I never listened to anything they say and I put this dress on and I was like I just don't feel comfortable and they were like but what like what is it what is it and I was like I just I don't know but even that is such a privilege because I've been able to be in a position where I can manipulate how slim I look they've not had that option so therefore Callie has to choose like fashion things with the selection she's got and she always looks incredible she always looks absolutely stunning but you know I'm in a privileged position because I've had the option to make myself look slimmer which is so backwards but it's just the way it is but yeah I think it's really important yeah I think it's really important to say that and I suppose another question I had about that in a way is because like I think a lot of the work I talk about around diet culture is like you know f your beauty standards and you know the pressures we feel to conform to body standards beauty standards do you sometimes feel like that cognitive dissonance that kind of like I don't know like how do you think about makeup and beauty industry and then also like trying to not conform to beauty standards and what are your thoughts on that because I'm really curious so where this all kind of started for me was actually from an artistry point of view and it was more like why am I not getting booked because I think I'm quite good at my job but the pictures I'm putting up no one wants to book me for because the pictures that they are sitting next to how do they get them to look so good so that's how this all started because I was thinking to myself well I'm just shit then because no one's booking me but I knew that what I was seeing in real life was blended eyeshadow and a you know a defined lip line and a straight line and symmetrical and I knew that I I knew that I was good at what I did but transferring that into a business in a time when people were like I mean I remember seeing a picture of someone who had done one side of their face and I'd noticed the lash placement so what they'd done is flipped the picture to make it look symmetrical as one face but what they've done is actually only done half of the face wow. and then edited it wow. and as I was kind of getting more clued up about all of this editing and lighting and you know because even with I moan about lighting all the time and the reason is it's so easy to get flattering lighting mm-hmm. we can do that but to get lighting now to replicate what I'm seeing in real life is really really like a skill a skill that I'm still trying to learn um so I was kind of feeling really disheartened but then at the same time I was thinking but I'm not editing my images and I'm not doing that and there was a time when I did do all of those things because I was like well, this I've got to make a living like this is my yeah. job and this and is no what everyone else is doing. yeah I've got to keep up with the industry if this is what everyone's doing this yeah. is what I'm doing yeah and I would get start getting the sort of mess the the message trickling through that oh I went and booked this person but I, t- I didn't look anything like it in real life and I was like that is because we're being sold a lie. And this is right back at the beginning stage of my career because I worked at Mac for um, like two and a half, just under two years. And then I went freelance. So 
we weren't even allowed our phones on counter when we worked at Mac. There was no social media at all. Um, I left Mac at the time when YouTube beauty industry absolutely exploded. And then obviously that came with the over editing Mm. and, um, that's how it all kind of stemmed. And then I kind of revolted and I was like, right, do you know what? If I'm not going to get booked, I'm not going to get booked. I'd rather go word of mouth and people say, oh, I didn't get a good photo, but my my makeup looked amazing. And that's what I kind of went with eventually. Um, and I think that's where my, you know, probably my underlying passion for wanting these filters to be removed from the, from the beauty industry was because it, it, w- it was selling a lie. Mm. And that's how I felt selling my skill was. Yeah, and I suppose, is it a case of like, rather than trying to work with like perfectly symmetrical faces only and you know shape and contour and everything into making someone look like someone they're not really just enhancing and and bringing out the person's features that they have and kind of yeah making them feel more confident in their own skin rather than trying to give them someone else's and I, I was literally, I went freelance at a time when transform, you look like a different person, look like Kim K, bring in a photo of a celebrity. All of that was just like the height of the industry. And it was never something I was comfortable with ever. And it was just, I think that goes back to the thing where when you're genuinely passionate about something and when it really doesn't sit right with you, you can't try and force it. You can't try and all of a sudden force to care about real skin when you have never given a shit about it before it's just impossible to do that and I think now I look back on my whole career as a makeup artist and I realize that that is all I ever cared about and when I think about all of my moments on counter as a retail artist the moments that stand out for me are the moments when I had somebody come in who was undergoing chemotherapy and she had no lashes and she wanted me to put a strip lash on her that stands out for me in my mind um, you know, all of those moments are the, the prominent memories that I have, as opposed to, did I get booked for Saturday night out makeup? No, no one wanted to book me for that. Was I popular within my own age group? No, no one ever wanted to book me. So, you know, it's always been how I want the beauty industry to be seen. And something that I'm working on, like a little secret project that I'm working on, is my extension of how I want beauty to be seen because at the moment we've removed the filters. Okay. So no one's usable filters now. You're not allowed to, but we're still using tape to shape someone's eyes to make it look more feline and to make their um, head pulled up. We're still doing a full face of base makeup so that on camera and to the eye, it looks more flattering for that person before we do the eye makeup. The reality for me is when I do makeup, I work in a very backwards way. So if you're sat in front of a mirror whilst I'm doing your makeup, you are not going to like it or even understand what's going on until the very last bit of lip gloss is applied. Because I'll do like half the eye, a base, um, as in like a glowy base, then I'll do a bit of concealer and then I'll do the lashes right at the end. And that's because I'm looking at your face as a canvas as opposed to right, let's cover it all up quick so that you feel comfortable. Do you know what I mean? And that's mm. how, unfortunately, I feel like make the beauty industry still is. We're still picking models with symmetrical faces, incredibly clear skin. That's not reality. People are not going to feel better for buying a blusher if you're showing it on an absolutely phenomenal looking model because not everybody looks like that person. 
So I'm really still now trying to power through, like <laughs> barge through the beauty industry with my big fat hammer, trying to break down <laughs> all of these things. Yeah, and I think you're, you're being successful at it. Like you're doing things your own way. And I think that goes a long way anyway. What, you know, whatever you choose to do, it's so important to go with what feels right for you. And I think that really stands out and it's refreshing to see. And whenever I kind of look through your page and I'm looking at your makeup, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not thinking like, oh, wow, I like, I wish I looked like her. I wish, like, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's really enhanced that part of their skin or their face rather than like, what can cover me up? What can make me not look like me? Um, you know, I think part of letting go of the filters as well is about that. Like, I want to just embrace me for me. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of, and I think this past year has meant a lot of people have worn a lot less makeup and been, and had a lot less time to feel like, oh, I've got to get all glammed up for all these occasions. It's like, I'm just being the very rawest version of myself. And I've personally become even more comfortable with fair skin most of the time. Yeah. I'm wearing a bit of makeup now, but, um, and this is like so funny to me. This would have, what I'm wearing now is minimal makeup, but at the same time, this would have been, like the absolute bare minimum I would do. And I'd often, I'd wear this like every day and just being able to like turn up with no skin. I don't know, I think it's drama school, me being told I'm yeah. not wearing makeup. Yeah, being it is. Yeah. It I is, mean, and like, it's a very, it's a very image-focused industry, which is probably why I uh, was never destined for it. <laughs> because like... Ditto. Yeah, you just have to be a certain carbon copy of something. Um, but I think sometimes people think that what I'm saying and what I'm screaming about within the beauty industry leads me to thinking that, oh, you can't wear a full face of makeup and it's all about natural and minimal. But actually, like, I love all forms of makeup. Give me blue <laughs> liner. Give me like a full face. But where I'm where I'm trying to strip it back is that even a drag queen is going to have a reality to their makeup. Mm. you're going to see their skin move you're going to see their features you're going to see their expressions on their faces and all of that has been taken away when it's transferred online and that's what I want to take back because you know so many times in the in the press throughout the last year isn't a filter just the same as makeup and I'm like it's so bloody different but the reason that you're asking me this question is also the reason that I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do because we've come that we've become that distorted with what these filters do we're now trying to compare that to makeup like it's just crazy that's like saying oh if you're body confident why don't you walk around naked all day why don't you go to Sainsbury's naked if you love your body like it's just do you know what I mean it's just absolutely mental mm. so um yeah I get so passionate about it <laughs> and I do I do think that with makeup as well I, and like this is the way I know to kind of assess my own relationship with that and not with exercise with makeup mm-hmm. um and I wonder if you would say the same thing when people like message me about it and we talk about it as I always say like am I just as comfortable completely barefaced as I am with a face of makeup I think that's when you know that yeah. you're not relying on makeup to make you feel a certain way that you feel a certain way regardless and that when you've kind of got that and, you know, we talk about it with exercise, with food, with everything, that neutrality about it. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's really nice to wear makeup. Like, I wore a full face of makeup yesterday. I mean, half of it comes off in the mask, which is a whole... Separate thing that we're nearly, we're nearly yeah, over. Nearly over, nearly <laughs> over. But, um, you know, 
put a full face of makeup on. So I recently filmed my TED talk and that was like the first time I'd put actual foundation on. Yeah. Um, I've been wearing, um, I wear, I've got it on today, the NARS um, moisturizer, which you, I know you rave about and you reminded me that I used to use it all the time. And then I <laughs> restocked because I was like, Sasha recommends. Um, and then I decided to use actual foundation and I forgot how, I forgot how much that does like conceal your skin because I'm so used to still seeing my skin. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even then I never, I never put too much on, but yeah, seeing myself all glammed up, it was like, oh wow, I forgot, I forgot I could do this. But at the same time, like, I don't value myself more in this moment. You know, yeah. I still, my, my self-worth and my value hasn't changed as a person. My, yeah. know, my confidence in myself hasn't changed. It, this is just a different version of, me there's almost like, it's like the many faces you can have as a person you know like yeah and that's like there's no rules you don't have to love how you look without makeup so therefore never wear makeup again it just doesn't have to yeah. be that extreme all the time yeah. and I find that's just some a, a general problem in this world anyway like you can say one thing and then everybody has to take it to the absolute far left or the far right and we can't just ever just sit in the middle and have different opinions about different things um, but I think that is exactly the way you summarized it is, do you value yourself more in this moment? No. And that's exactly how I feel. Would I be saying anything different if I was sat here with a full face of makeup on? And the answer is no. And mm. I want everybody to feel that way about, you know, themselves. And I know that you do as well. Like we're like the neck and above and below combined. Yeah. That's messages. <laughs> well, I want to talk about your own journey with fitness and everything because this is something else you've spoken about like you kind of you know mentioned that with having your own kind of body image issues and then kind of working through that that how you you know change your approach to fitness has has you know been a big part of that as well so I'd love to hear kind of what you were like before and where you are now with your own fitness journey Growing up, fitness was always punishment for me. And it was, you need to, if you're going to eat that, then at least you need to work out so that you burn that off. And sometimes I'm still reminded with like, you know, those good old Facebook memories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes I look at them and I think, oh my God, I would do anything to go back to that person and just like shake her. <laughs> uh it took me, it still is an ongoing thing for me with fitness. And I'm very much in a place where I do move my body because I want to feel great. And I'm now in a position where I want to move my body because I want to be strong. But the pandemic has fully challenged that for me um, in so many ways. And I'm sure it has for, for, for all of us. But one of the things that I've really struggled with is where I've taken the, I've taken the value away from exercise being punishment so I'm left with exercise being used to make me feel good and it's been quite conflicting throughout this pandemic because I've put on weight and we all like we all have eaten and done less movement like throughout this year like who hasn't so now I'm in the stage where I'm trying to exercise because I want to be strong and fit again but I'm also faced with the fact that I've put on weight and I'm feeling that weight because I was in such a fit and strong state before. And trying to navigate through all of those feelings when you're refusing to let your weight define you has just been really tough, like the last year. 
I finally in the, in the last sort of few weeks feel like I've got my mojo back. And like last night we went out for dinner and my, we went out for dinner with my mum and her taxi was late. So we didn't end up eating until like half eight, nine, which is really late for me. I'd normally eat at like seven. Um, and one thing I've found with my disordered eating that helps me is to eat when I'm hungry so that I'm not ever left starving and then I binge. Yeah. So we ate late and I ate way more than I needed to because I was so starving by the time we got to eat. And I woke up this morning and I just felt, honestly, I haven't felt like that for so long. I couldn't face my gym class because my stomach just felt like, you know when it feels sore from the inside where you've eaten so much? Do you ever get that? Mm-hmm. So I got myself up and I went for a walk along the beach, along the seafront. And I just did like a half hour walk up and down the seafront just to move my body so that I got fresh air. And it wasn't to burn off the food last night. It wasn't to starve myself today. It was just that I felt uncomfortable because I overate. I don't need to punish myself for that. Let's go and move my body. Um, but I'm still faced with those thoughts that come into my head. I don't know when they'll ever stop, but that's, you know, where I'm heading. Um, and a bit similar to the journey that I've spoken about before, it's just continuous for me. And I, I want to be in a position where I can do the monkey bars, but not, <laughs> not care about how I look as a result of that, you know? Mm. I love your honesty because I know so many people will be feeling the same. and have the same thought and one thing I always try and say to people as well is like yeah you can have those negative you can you can have that negative self-talk but you know you're on your on the right path when you're not necessarily listening listening to it it. and you're not responding to it and it's there and the work is not necessarily like that negative self-talk is going to go away forever the work is to like really try like turn the volume down on it yeah so like, yeah I hear it but I don't have to play those games and I always say to people as well that voice is not you that is diet culture that is the anti-fat bias that diet culture ingrains in us and that is what that voice is and, and it's, it's not our you. and it's our environment like I yeah you know my parents grew up in a generation where I'm so, I feel so thankful that I've had people like you. And I do honestly thank you so much for the stuff that I've been taught about diet culture because you were the first person that I started listening to about it. Mm. My mum didn't have that. My dad didn't have that. So all they know, all their knowledge of it is from what I have been starting to talk about out loud at the age of 27. It's too far gone then. You know, my mum, I grew up watching my mum go on every diet. I grew up watching my dad talk about being slim all the time. And I remember how valued I was as a person when I was under eating and, you know, I was a size 10 and I I look at pictures of my wrists and stuff and I just looked so born and unhappy and miserable. But I remember how complimented I was by everybody. And I remember the feelings that I used to hang on to, like I'm going to someone's for a coffee and they're going to tell me how great I look because I've lost weight. And I remember all of that. And I think, you know, Thank God we have some influence now because I know that my kids are going to grow up with a different attitude to this than what I did. And it's by no fault of my parents. It's just the way that it's been. Um, And I feel really lucky for that. I feel grateful that, you know, we've got these voices now like yours. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And like yours. And, you know, oh, I definitely, I found myself recently looking back at old photos of myself when I've been in a much smaller body being like, wow, look at me. And then I'm like, hang on a second. Like, you don't want to go back. Not really, you know. And it's just because, and the sad truth is that because this 
you know, society that is just inherently fatphobic just may, means that it feels like life is easier when you're smaller. Oh, yeah, um, it is, for sure. It feels like it's easier for other people, and it's not necessarily easier for you as an individual because you still have you have that strained relationship with food. You have that strained relationship with your body. You have that strained relationship with exercise. And it's like almost it. It's like people pleasing. Like yeah, that smaller body pleases other people, but inside you're miserable. You're miserable. You're you are miserable, and going mentally, going through it, and physically probably going through it. Yeah, just to to please others. And I think what's really important about this work is like going no, no, I refuse to please those other people anymore. The only person who I need to please is me. Yeah. And the only person who, you know, I care for me first and foremost, because when I'm happy and thriving and, you know, doing things, you know, from a place of care and love and respect, then I can give other people love and care and respect. Yeah. And And I feel, I feel so free now. And I think how many years have I wasted putting how I looked at the forefront of my existence? Mm. I used to literally wake up every day and think, oh, my stomach's flatter. Oh my God, my boyfriend's going to fancy me more. Oh my God, I'm going to go on a date and they're going to think like every single thought used to be consumed by how I looked. Whereas now I just have like the other day I was taking washing upstairs and I had this weird like wanky moment where I felt so grateful that I had a house with stairs in and I was hanging out my fresh washing and how amazing that I can afford to buy Lenore <laughs> like just proper <laughs> shitty weird stuff no but... they're the small things they really are the yeah small things. and you can't have those moments of small pointless shitty things like not shitty like they're amazing things you can't have those moments if your every thought process is consumed by how you look yeah. and that's one of the biggest and best things about this journey for me is that like I just value everything so much more like the sun shining today. Oh my God, how amazing. Whereas before it'd be the sun shining. Oh my God, my legs are going to look incredible because I worked at the gym today. (laughs) Do you know what? And I wondered if it was like the slowing down of the pandemic, but I don't know what it is, but like at the moment, I've really started noticing the world around me a lot more. Like, wow, those flowers are beautiful I was putting it down it's either that or the fact that we're 30 I'm yeah. not sure which one but there was definitely something in it but I'm like yeah so I feel like the pandemic <laughs> aging and growing up and I also feel like and maybe it's the same for you as well but do you feel that part of your healing journey has been that maturity I feel that this is a very anecdotal perspective but I do feel like so many I speak to so many people who get towards their 30s and are like wow I'm so glad I'm in a much better headspace about my body, about all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, because in your 20s, especially in your early 20s, that is when you were so vulnerable to these messages around food, around body, around beauty standards. And we yeah. feel that we have to conform so hard. And it's like, through your 20s, you just get to know yourself. And you're like, no, I, I'm me. I get to make my own decisions about my own life. Yeah, literally. I do I do think it is a real, it's a, it's a mixture between age making putting yourself on that journey because I don't think everyone hits 30 and just wakes up great you like you have to put the work in you do um and also the pandemic for me also has made me just value things and like it's been hard and it's been horrendous for some people and I have been so bloody lucky the last year and a half but it has definitely made me value and appreciate things that like I just think I probably would have bypassed before Mm. 
Oh, I could chat to you for the rest of the day. I know. I'm actually <laughs> so annoyed that I've got a trial. Like, who puts no, a no. trial at four o'clock on a Friday as well? No, it's fine. I have to finish. I finish every episode with um, asking you what has been your most recent train happy moment. Oh, I've, I mean, I've probably spoken about it because I, I would say that walking on the seafront today, but I, I won't use that one. I'll use a different one. I would say my most recent train happy moment was I walked over to the male dominant section of the gym mm -hmm. on Tuesday and I did the big old fancy leg press thing. Oh, yeah. And I felt like a bad bitch. We used to call that, um, <laughs> if people listening to Train Happy Podcast used to listen to Fit and Fearless that I did with um, Vicky and Zana, we used to call their weight section the men, and actually it was always Zana's term, but we tried, we tried to take it on as ours, like we used to call it the testosterone. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I know, it's kind of like perfectly sums it up, there's too much testosterone in there, and that's why it's like... Awkward. Yeah, and I think in your head you, you feel like it's going to be like beastie and like something from a Disney film but actually I was just doing my squat press or whatever it's called I don't know what it's called is it called a squat press like leg press leg press um and I was just doing my thing and they were doing their thing and then I carried on with my day like it's just great to be in that sort of frame of mind where you kind of push through those little bits and feel mm. strong mm, I love that Sasha where can everyone find you support filter drop the ongoing work of filter drop and just generally yeah find your loveliness because i can't recommend following sasha enough oh thank you it's just my name on instagram sasha louise plari although i am trying to get it i am trying to get it changed to just sasha plari so either one of the two just type plari in like it'll be fine and i'll link it i'll link it and I'm on YouTube as well, but that's just like proper chilled vibes. I just chat shit to the camera and love it. You know what Sasha was saying about her great personality? Go watch her YouTube videos. You will get the essence of Asha. Of Asha. Uh, of Sasha. <laughs> Tally, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. And yeah, I hope we get to catch up IRL. Yeah, very, very soon. Very thank soon. Thank you. All the best. And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the Train Happy message. And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.